Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What is up, everybody? And welcome to a very exciting installment of K Golasso Pod, the podcast that you want to listen to for all your U.S. men's national team news because we just beat Costa Rica to get three valuable points in Columbus. We got 11 points. We are in a good spot in the table, and it feels so good. And the K Golasso Pod starts right now. What is up, everybody? I am Jimmy Conrad alongside Mr. Heath Pierce. We're bringing you all of the action around the U.S. men's national team here on the K Golasso Pod. And I just want to say right from the get-go, if you're watching on YouTube, you got to drop us some comments. We want to hear from you right from the start. How are you feeling about this game? And Heath, I'm going to throw it to you because not only do I want to get comments from you, but also the people listening on the podcast itself. Give us your rating at some point. Hit us up on Twitter at Pod, or hit me or Heath Pierce up on the Twitters as well. What do you think? Zero out of 10. What would you say that game was for you, Heath Pierce? Uh, I'd say it's pretty on par with Jamaica. I thought that, uh, which, we'll, we'll, which we'll get into, but when I look at the team as a whole, and Jimmy, you and I have talked about this every single time, you need enough guys having good days. And when you do, even when you bounce back from a big mistake in the early, early in the game, you have enough guys carrying the weight of the team. There were a couple guys that I thought were six or five and not poor, but not good and not real contributors at the level I expect from them in a game like this at home. But by and large, the team was able to put uh, to, to, to care like a number of players were able to carry right. uh, some of those players whose names weren't even mentioned for most of the game. And that was I think sometimes it's a positive when you're not having players mentioned in the broadcast or players standing out. Uh, for all the wrong way. So overall, I'd say uh, uh, between a seven and an eight, I think an eight in terms of adversity, facing adversity to, to come back and, and, and handle that. I think they get that they maybe get the edge of the eight, but otherwise performance wise, I'm saying uh, seven. Okay. A seven. I, I accept that seven. And maybe after the first, first minute, when we gave up the first goal, maybe, maybe it was an eight. I don't know. I mean, it just, it was pretty good in a lot of different ways, as you mentioned. But to give everybody context, in case you did not see this game and you don't know what we're talking about, Costa Rica came in. We had lost the, to them three straight times in World Cup qualifying. Their team had an average age of over 30 years old, no players under the age of 27, six players over the age of 30, and our average age for the U.S., 22 years and 249 days, something crazy. The youngest team we've ever put out for for a World Cup qualifier before. So we had youthful exuberance versus grizzled veterans. And after the first minute, they were up 1-0. And I actually thought at the time, I was a little nervous, Heath, I'll be honest. And Serginho Des had to score an absolute banger to make it 1-1 at halftime, which I thought was the fair result after halftime. We committed a lot of numbers. And we can break this down in a little bit more of a meaningful way. And then we scored in the second half. Uh, Timothy Wea did some good work, good pressure. We just had a ton of numbers in the box the whole time, and it led to mm-hmm. us getting what I thought was a rightful second goal. I thought we deserved to win this game. We had done enough to make that happen. So we win 2-1. Very, very excited about that. What I worried about from Costa Rica's perspective is this is a team that only scored three goals so far out of six games and, and leading up before they scored this one and only gave up three goals. So 
they're not great, like not really killing it on. Well, I guess on the defensive side, they're doing okay. But I have scored early before in big games when I was on a very defensive team. And when you score early, you, you look around at everybody like, wait, we got to hold on to this lead for 89 minutes, you know, especially a mm -hmm. team when you're very good defensively, you're trying to just maybe score one with 15, 20 minutes left to go. And then you only have to hold on from there. But when you have to hold on to a lead for 89 minutes, that was always going to be a tough task. And when I thought about it through that perspective, I knew the U.S. was going to get back into it. And I loved our response because we did commit so many numbers forward. And one tactical thing that I want to kind of do a compare and contrast, and I'll throw it back to you, Heath, because I want to get your thoughts on all the changes we made from Panama to this, is when I think about the Panama game, we had George Bellow, very young, outside back on the left. And we had Shaq Moore, with, who's still relatively young, but not a lot of experience in World Cup qualifiers, especially away from home on the right. And those guys were so maybe nervous and fearful and everybody wasn't moving forward. Their starting positions were way back when we had the ball. They were pretty much even with our back line. And they would play safe when they got it. Now compare that to this game where we have Anthony Robinson and Serginho Dest five or ten yards higher. It just changes, it changes everything. It allows you to create angles in a way that they didn't have before. And, and then you've got guys that wanted in tough spots. And I knew it was going to be a long day for the Ticos once we got going. And thankfully, it was as we got the three points. Talk to me, though, about those nine changes. We said seven changes from game one to game two. Now, nine changes from game two to game three in this qualifying window. Were you a little nervous going into that, despite those changes being relatively positive because we were putting some of our best players out on the field? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I would love for everyone to just throw in their ratings, right? We, I gave I gave a seven against Jamaica. I lean closer to an eight in the way the team played in this match. Still far from the quality that I think this this specific team and these players have. Uh, and and some of that's cohesion stuff. So we'd love to see what everybody else thinks from a rating standpoint, just sort of how they how they judge this match. Now, those nine changes had me nervous, but obviously uh, excited because those nine changes I trusted more than the seven that we threw out. Uh, and it wasn't that the seven players I didn't think couldn't get a result against Panama. I just thought the seven together was a lot to go to mm -hmm, Panama mm -hmm, and get a result mm -hmm. in terms of experience, personnel, style of play, backgrounds, uh, 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 international experience, club experience. All those things weighed together. It wasn't a knock on individuals. It was a knock on the group uh, of players. Now, today... I thought it was a much better nine changes. You know, uh, I go back to the first goal. Again, it was one back by by Brendan Aronson, a guy who we talked about energy, winning that ball back. Then it goes back, two passes back to Zach Steffen. I talked about this in real time, that it was 13 passes leading up to the goal. And I think there's a, a real confidence to that, uh, of, of being able to play through pressure, not panicking, not thinking, oh my gosh, we're under uh, this, this press. We need to lump it long. You know, where's the answer? And a lot of that, Jimmy, came from, like you said, Serginho Dest and Robinson being higher and wider. And what that allows, and this only works, is if you have that central three that want the ball, right? If those guys get high and wide and your central three don't want the ball, and again, I don't think Tyler Adams necessarily settled into being a playmaker early on in that game. Weston McKinney, I thought, was probably one of the poorer players that we had on the field. I don't say poor, but I think he was one of the most average. Going forward, okay, but a lot of bad turnovers, a lot of stuff that's uncharacteristic of him in terms of like changing the point of attack, switch of play, the confidence of that passing, running at guys with, with the ball. He looked like he was, again, trying a little bit too much, uh, in, in, in my opinion. Just doing a little bit too much that I think perhaps it was in his head that he felt like he had to have a big game and it, at times it didn't work out. But that balance of having players, and this all comes down to me to Yunus Musa. Yunus Musa's connection from the back line through the midfield to the forward line is a, is a player we've been missing. And Gio Reyna can do it. Christian Pulisic can do it. But I don't want Christian Pulisic coming back that far. 
give me Yunus Musa to, to get Christian Pulisic in a better spot. If you, if, yep, if yep. Christian Pulisic is coming back all the way into the midfield to get the ball to start an attack, well, at least maybe Yunus pushes up. But it's not an effective thing. Now we've got a player like Musa who gets into those half spaces. He wants the ball. He just looks so confident. And again, I'm talking about Tyler Adams having a good game because of his energy and his transition play. I'm talking about Wes McKinney having an average game. But it doesn't matter when you have good play- when you have all the players around him right. having good games and lift him up. Because I don't need Weston McKinney to be a star. I don't. I need him to be the player that he is most of the time. A workhorse. The game is predictable for him. He, he puts in a shift. I want him to get his confidence back because it does look like it's missing still a little bit on some level. But, but then, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. I'm no, on, I'm on, I'm, yeah. no, and I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. And, and we're going to get I needed Bob. it interrupted. I needed it interrupted. Well, Bob, just Alex, going. Bob Alex makes a good comment. We only have two games in the next international window, and I only want the best 11, please. And so I wanted to tie that into a little bit of Weston McKinney. I'll start there. It seems like he's trying too hard. He's trying to be the hero and to hit the, you know, make the hero pass, make the hero run every single time. And sometimes because we have the quality around him, and I love the midfield of McKinney, Musa, and Adams. It's just, it's so strong for so many different reasons. They complement each other so well. And, and I love that they don't really duplicate. Like we put a cost in, he kind of duplicates what Adams does. You know, we put in maybe Legette, you know, it does he, he, he might be better as a winger. He might not, you know, he might not connect in the same way. He doesn't run through the lines like Musa does. And so I just think we have a nice combination. So to Bob Alex's point, and when I think about that midfield, and we've talked already about this, Heath, we need to make sure the spine of our team starts to get solidified. Because as you mentioned before, and as we discussed, when we played, there was already, that was solid. 15, 16 guys were going to be the ones that carried us through qualifying. And then you'd add bits and pieces based on the opponent or, or due to injury or whatever it is. It feels like our player pool is almost too big. So I'm very curious to see in this next window, with Mexico included in this one, who are going to roll out, and I hope that it's the same, relatively the same team in both games, that we'll maybe make one or two changes, but outside of that, we got to start really whittling it down, to use your phrase from, from a couple of podcasts ago, of getting to our team that we're really going to count on, because we need to build that rapport. I need to see more McKinney, Musa, Adams, not less of it. Yeah, I will say this. Brendan Aronson didn't have a great game in the way that I've seen him in the past. Right. But his energy... I cannot imagine this team starting a game without that. When I look at the way he presses, when I look at the way Ricardo Pepe presses, and you can judge uh, Brendan Aronson on, on his attack prowess today and some of his touches and perhaps some of his combination play, which wasn't spot on. But overall, that energy, I don't see how you can ha- take him off and put um, uh, Gio Reyna in his spot right now. Now, maybe you mm-hmm. put him on the other side or you make some changes. I just don't see how he cannot be a starter in the next round. That's easy to say because Gio, Gio Reyna hasn't been in. Obviously, they're saying he's still a couple weeks out, which could put him right in pace to, to be back in for the next qualifiers. Gio Reyna is obviously a, a, a world-class youngster in terms of what he's what he's capable of and the potential that he has. But the way in which this team is good, and I saw, saw the press. It's the first time I've seen this press, by the way, look like it was joined up. There was a couple times where I was like, oh, wow, it's just one guy goes and then he drops back in. The next guy goes, he drops back in. And then there were times where I was like, oh, man, these guys are swarming. And some of that was attitude. Some of that was, again, that cohesion of like seeing the cue and understanding, okay, whatever Greg has said, whether it's the square pass, whether it's the back pass that we step up, step out, and wait for that next one to, to trigger, um, you know, it, it, it was working today. And so when mm-hmm. I look at mm-hmm. these situations, I, I, I want to give you real quick the players that I thought didn't prove to be a sure starter in the next game. Ooh, do tell, do yeah. tell. I'm curious. I, I, think, I think Miles Robinson was the first time I've seen him a little vulnerable. 
in terms of confidence on the ball. I also think this was the biggest task he's had in terms of the pressure of the game. He's also playing in a home game where you're being asked to be more of a game player. You got to be able to connect passes. You got to be able to make a little more risky, risky pass. And he looked a little shaky at times. Overall, a solid performance. So don't get me wrong. I thought he was good. Okay, but fair. he's been great previously. Uh, and again, I think the, the, the his role uh, was expanded upon in a game like this where we're going to dictate the flow. He's going to have to do a little bit more than being a lockdown defender and being athletic, he's going to have to play a little bit. He's going to have to connect passes. He's going to have to see the passing lanes and break some pa- break some lines with that stuff. And mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. those are elements of his game that I'm I'm not sure he's super confident with yet. But but you can see his willingness to try, and I think he's going to have some ebb and flow uh, through that. And then and then part two. I, I mean, I already said Aaron's, and then I said Weston McKinney were, were my other ones that I thought Weston again trying too much. But on a day like this, I love it because Eunice Musa was trying too much, but. I got this. He's got this confidence where I'm like, oh, keep on trying too much, man. I'm right. for that because you're gonna you're gonna do something that leads to something greater. And the other thing I will say from this yeah. game, uh, yeah. in terms of the buildup, was the willingness to just play the ball up, get it back. Now you're facing the game and not have to complicate it. I think was working right. That combination, that triangulation in the midfield, the com- the connection between the midfield and the and the front line, where up, back, and out. It's such a simple thing. We've complicated the game so much nowadays in terms of mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. we need to build up and how we need to play that going back to that uh, was just a refreshing take on how you can break pressure with uh, one entry ball back out. And they call it, you know, probing or pulsing or some of those right, things that right. start to pull players in and out of spaces. I was impressed with that. So, sorry, that was an added thought. But, yeah. What, no, no, no. I appreciate find that. that, that uh, now, by the way, I would love for everybody to, uh, that's in the comments to tell us who you thought your yeah. man of the match was, who you thought yeah, let's, didn't let's, let's go there. Let's pivot to man of the match, and then we can kind of get oh, myself Jimmy, don't back jump into up. Don't jump over this. Who did, not have a, who did not have a starting, who did not guarantee themselves a start with a win like this? Okay, take out the first goal, because that, that's, that's whatever. Uh, that, that well, I, well, I think it does matter. I don't know. Zach Steffen, I don't think, did enough in that particular instance. Fair. So, so it just, right when that goal got scored, he does have better feet than Matt Turner. So if you think you're going to play a game where you're going to get a little bit more possession than then, or you're going to be under it and you need a player that can play out of those spots, I can understand why Zach Steffen was selected for a number of reasons. But Jimmy, the build up of the, but the buildup of that first goal came with the one that, if that went to Matt Turner, he's smacking that long. And when it went to Zach no, Steffen, our, he our just first goal. Clipped, That's true. Yeah, yeah. Just clipped it over to a fullback. And I know we still had 11 more passes to go to get the goal. I get it. Goal, but like, I get it. That willingness to, to, to keep possession. I think there's something to that. But I fully agree with you on that first one. Should have done that, more uh, for sure. It just, it just, it, uh, yeah, you just you want him to go in there and lock it down, and and I think there's still room for a conversation that it's still wide open as to, and maybe even Matt Turner's still ahead of him. Totally valid, frankly. I, I agree. With okay, you. so that would be one player. Dest, obviously, if we're gonna, I'll bring him in my man of the match. I'll go player by player. Man of the match performance, it goes to Serginio Dest, not only because of his banger of a goal, by the way, which was world class, and and I think what I love about Serginio Dest is he gives you glimpses of this world class ability every single game. It's just a can he maintain that for 90 minutes? Can he do that on the defensive side of the ball? Because there's going to be times, and we've seen it at World Cups in the past, where we're going up a big against a bigger country, and we don't have a lot of the ball. And, and he becomes less effective. If Serginio yeah. Dest isn't on the ball, and we're defending the whole time, is Serginio Dest even out there? He's a little bit of a ghost defensively. You know, like you- His impact isn't the same. But for tonight, massive, massive, massive. And it was such okay. a clutch gene move there. So... So I, it feels like 
I don't know if anybody else has locked it up though. It's not like Shaq Moore's is locked no, it up. But or... but I've never thought about it this way with Sergio Dest. But when it got to the 60th minute and we were winning, right? And by the way, his second pass that went to what a what a tweet, to, by the way. I just want to give a shout out to my tweet. Oh yeah. Oh wow. No more Sergio Dest slander in my timeline this, ever again. A, Please and thank you. By the way, if, if you're listening <laughs> to this on, I was I was emotionally tweeting this. By the way, yeah. If if you may be listening to this uh, uh, in audio only, but J- Jimmy, I think just has a put a paid ad up on on this show where he gets to post his tweets of what he said. No more Sergio Dest slander. Jimmy, I will say, the second pass that he made looked so easy to go to Tim Weah for, for that hit. The pace on it, it looks so easy, but it's not. To, to guide a guy like that, to put him right in stride where he's just having to hit it, mm-hmm. um, when you're on the move, it just shows the quality that he has as a playmaker. And, and the point I was trying to get with this is when it got to around the 60th minute, I started to get the itch, Jimmy. I started to get the whole <laughs> is 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 Sergio isn't it time for him to maybe go to the sideline? He's done his job. He's the extra, he's the late runner. He's the initiation in our attack. He does all these things fantastically, but we know that we might give up a half chance. And we know that he's a liability defensively. And I was like, oh, I've never thought about a fullback being a 60-minute kind of guy, right? Usually your your back line, maybe you mm-hmm. put in one circumstantially when you need to lock down a game or when you need right. a goal, you you take one out and you put a more attacking-minded player on the field. But for him, I'm like, hey, if you can get 60 out of him like that at home and now you've got to like secure the lead and the circumstances are a single goal lead or or it's a, uh, you know, you're, you're not needing to go and find that goal and take those risks. Perfectly, I think that was a great move from Greg Berhalter to make the change. And he went down and he grabbed his calf. And I, I think there's always going to probably be some injury worries with Sergio Dest. But I think the maturity of that, of looking at a guy like that and saying, hey, we might need to use one of our subs every game that Sergio Dest starts, I don't think is a bad thing because you're getting him for his offensive output and what he can do mm-hmm, on the mm-hmm, ball you got mm-hmm. it you used it you got the most out of it you made the change and i thought that was a, a good good move from greg berhalter uh today and and a great and, and i agree with you man of the match from Sergio des and i think you could be a man of the match if you only play 60 minutes that's true a goal and an assist as you mentioned i mean no i think it got chalked up as an own goal there but uh those are the guys way and des that put it all together and way actually made a good inside to out run on the first first goal as well to, to really set up before the cross came What's crazy about the first goal, I'm going to go one step back, and I just want to talk a little bit more about Sergio Dest. When we're playing all that, we have those 11-pass sequence before that goal by Sergio Dest, and the ball goes out wide to Timothy Weah. Do you know who the player is that's bombing into the six-yard box? It's not Ricardo Pepe. It's our goddamn outside back named Sergio Dest who's running into the six-yard box. Like, what kind of world are we living? This is a parallel universe. This guy is insane. I mean... It is unbelievable. And then all of a sudden, the ball goes across to Musa. He circles back, gets himself in a good spot, and hits a banger. But there's that type of commitment that I think throws other teams off. So our best defense might just be allowing Sergio Dest to go run wherever the hell he wants. He also picks up the ball and sometimes goes in the middle like he's a number 10. And it's just <laughs> like some games it's going to work, and some games it's going to really cost us. And and I'm hopeful that we can get a little bit more of a well-rounded Sergio Dest in terms of picking his spots and then obviously – doing the job on the defensive side of the ball, which is still, as we talked about, a question mark. Now, there was a shot from Paul who says that Tyler Adams was his man of the match. Yep. I was happy with his performance. I, d- I wanted to see a lot from him. I think he keeps everything together. There's there's certain players that I think are the glue of the team. And Tyler Adams, for sure, 1,000% unequivocally, is the glue of this U.S. men's national team. And when he's not out there, we can sense it. Traeger also said that he thought that Matt Turner could have done anything that Stefan did in this game. And so Matt Turner should still be the number one. That's a, that's a nice little hot take. I'm here for it. Yeah. Now with going from player to player, my, my, my thought on miles Robinson, what I loved is that 
he made a bad pass in the middle of the field and he thankfully played it to maybe the slowest dude. And Heath, I think you're still faster oh than him. Oh my God. That, but, uh, that was special, dude. I've never seen somebody go, go that slow to the goal from the half line. I just want to say that was really, really slow. I mean, he it, had a 20 yard head start. The, the field is not that big. Right. Well, the thing is, he's so left foot dominated, he didn't want to keep pushing it over to his right. Yeah. And instead, he gave up the chance so he could get it back on his left foot, which sounds about right for anybody that displays and is super one-footed. But what I really loved about Miles Robinson, outside of, you know, maybe it wasn't the cleanest, and he, he's never played with Chris Richards before, so you're going to have to take some of their, some mistakes or some lack of communication, people dropping, stepping. They're not really on the same page. I thought they figured it out as the game went along. But what I loved was his reaction. He immediately knew that he lost it, and he got into full sprint mode and came back and made the play at the top of the box. So, yeah, so it was unbelievable. And, and, and that's what you need to see. Yes. Obviously we could, you know, shake our head at him and he knew he took responsibility for it right away. But the fact that he recovered in that way and, and it meant something to him, everybody would sprint, but like he was getting back and I love those little things. Right. So it was very cool to see that Chris Richards very quickly on him. I just need to see more. I, yeah. It, it wasn't like lights out, but it wasn't the worst thing. It was thing. like, it was, was like, a, it, I was, was like, yeah, Chris Richards is out there. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was an indifferent uh, performance, I think, from him, which I think is a good thing, right? You don't want your center backs to be talked about all game long because, uh, again, he's, this is, he's thrown into the fire. He's trying to find his feet, and sometimes that leads you to playing more simple, being, being like, I'm a defender first. I'm going to scrap. I'm going to fight for second balls. And I think we can start to see him um, add things to his game. And by the way, for anybody who is just joining us right now, Subscribe. Uh, make sure you, yeah, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a Throws. comment. Yep. Jimmy's got it. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate and let, you that. know what? Jimmy. You know what? Let's make this part of it too. Let us know where you're from and who you support, right? Or who your favorite player is on the U.S. men's national team. Whatever it is, we want to hear from you. We want to learn a little bit more about you because that helps us ultimately make fun of you. Yeah. I'm just and, kidding. I'm just yeah. kidding. We would never do that. All right. So let's move this along. So Chris Richards, a little indifferent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Need to see more. I, and again, I it, it sounds so bad that I, I'm talking about guys who, who didn't like the team. It was a fantastic team effort. And that's what I've been wanting. So I don't want anybody to think that I thought anybody played poorly. Nobody played poorly. I, I'm, I'm just looking at it through the lens of like, I don't want this to be, Oh, against Panama. It's all doom and gloom. And this time it's like, Oh, look at it. We're having a great time. Everybody played great. I, I think there is some nuance <laughs> of course. To, to some of these performances. And I'm glad we're going through that right now. So let's keep going. Okay. Anthony Robinson. So again, what I said at the very beginning, I loved his starting position, his eagerness to get forward, his eagerness to join the attack. He's always looking to play forward as well or run with the ball forward. And, and he has ideas when he gets it that maybe Brendan Aronson or, or Timmy Ware or somebody's going to be running into that channel ahead of him. But even if that's not on, he still has some ideas of how he's going to play out of that particular situation. And, and, and my question to you, Heath, and anybody else watching or listening is Anthony Robinson the guy at left back? Has he made it his now? Has he finally solidified that spot and made it Anthony Robinson's? Yes, I, I think so. That's his. We're his on the spot. same page now. Now I think that there is there's elements of his game that I'd like to see improve, like the quality of his crosses and things like that. Because mm-hmm. you know, as the as the quality improves, and I think he got five or six good opportunities where he had a chance to put his head up, set up his cross, and could have done more with those. And I think that goes in wide positions. That goes into free kicks uh, from Brendan, Brendan Aronson. I think from those wide areas, when the game gives us those wide areas, I would love to see us be more clinical. Because if you can put Ricardo Pepe into those spots, okay, he missed a header today, but he got his head on a few. But you can see just the respect teams already have for him in the box. And it's just ability to know how to be busy. And he's playing up against two center backs. And so for a guy like him, that's the only critique that I have. Otherwise, that's his spot. Because uh, 
also with him and Dest on the field together, you know that Robinson already understands that he's got to pick and choose his moments because Dest might not pick and choose his moments. Mm -hmm. You know, he might pick and choose his moments to play defense. And then when you're talking about a double pivot where you've got McKinney a little bit closer to Adams now, and now you've got Musa who's further up the field. I just think that you're starting to create a little bit of these connection points or this connective tissue between the lines of understanding how we build up, how we defend, where we cover, where our vulnerabilities are. And again, we're talking about predictability that we're trying to get to, right? Making the game predictable, not just for the coach, but for the players on the field. So when we press, when we defend, when we collapse, like all those things start to become a well-oiled machine. Sorry, let's keep on going. No, no, it's no problem. Got a comment from Felix saying that he thought McKinney, Weah, and the center backs were subpar, but that Musa and Adams and Dest were absolute men. So so I'm going to let's go to Tyler Adams. I think we've talked enough about him. I think he could be in the conversation for man of the match. He does a lot of the thankless work. He does a lot of the thankless working. And I think more importantly, he communicates. He gets people in good starting spots yep. to make plays as well. And, and he helps the team transition. He did have one foray in the second half where he dribbled through a couple people. And it seemed like Costa Rica was trying to get maybe start to find their way back into the game or, or start to actually maintain some possession in our defensive half. And he ends up getting this ball, does very well to get through a couple guys, slaloming through, and then draws the foul. And there's something about that. Pulisic does it very well, too, where yep. he draws these little fouls that allows you to kind of take a breath, regain, regain your momentum a little bit, or slow the momentum of the other team down. And Tyler Adams just has that unique quality and leadership quality that, again, I can't say enough about him and and the glue of the team. I don't know if you want to go further on him. Yeah, the the only other thing that I would go further is another moment in that game. Towards the end of the game, the team is struggling to have possession. It's probably five, six minutes left. The ball comes into him, and he does this flick to break pressure. I don't know if you remember that. It's Mm -hmm, it's near mm -hmm. the sideline. And instead of him going backwards where we're going to take one pass back, and it looked a little bit rocky on our back line in terms of what do we do? Should we lump it to the corner? Do we keep it? We're going to keep on trying to play because we know there's the space. And I started to feel this nerves of like, I know I could feel it. Then we're giving up up three kicks and set pieces. That's the only way they're getting back into it. So then a minute later, he gets the ball. They, they roll it into him and he just flicks it on to, I think it was uh, Busio and it breaks the line of pressure. And I was like, in a moment like that, to, to understand that it's not just about playing backwards. It's not just playing negative. It's not just sort of uh, doing what you think you're supposed to do, but seeing the moment that gave us all an opportunity to just take a deep breath, allow your back line to pull out, allow you to get organized. You've now broken six, seven players out of the play. That to me is a maturity. And it was and not only was it sexy, but it was just a, a, a something that I was like, oh, that's the part of his game that I love. And again, we can be super critical of Tyler Adams uh, of what we expect of him. But again, mm-hmm. when he has mm-hmm. a Eunice Musa around him, who I think makes him better, when he has a Weston McKinney, who I think makes him better, then they get to divvy up responsibilities. And that's what we want, which is like, I don't need you to make the game for us. I don't mm-hmm. need Weston to make the game for us. I need these guys to divvy up their abilities, capabilities, strengths, and weaknesses to deliver a good result and a good performance. And I think when they're on the field together, and it's only been a few times, I really like it. Okay, now there's a question from Pat Walsh, who's a friend of mine, actually, Patistuta, as I like to call him. And he says, do you, do you think that Miles Robinson's subpar performance was him playing next to a World Cup qualifying rookie in Chris Richards? And I'm going to say yes. I also think you have Zach Steffen, who I thought was a little nervy to start as well. And now you're asking Miles Robinson, who I don't know if he's always the most vocal leader. I think Walker Zimmerman was actually taking over that role to great effect the first two games where he was the one in charge. He was the one putting people in good spots. And I think if there's one, let's say, intangible that that is obviously I'm not there. I don't see it. I can't hear him. But you can see which players are kind of running and putting people in good spots. And I don't always see Miles Robinson 
you yelling at people to, to, to get them and communicating ultimately. And, and, and that's normal for, for a lot of young center backs, but for a game of this magnitude, I could see at times, even the most talkative people sometimes go into a shell because it can be overwhelming. And when they gave up the first goal, when you're young, you're like, Oh man, is this really going to be the game where it doesn't work out for us? You start to get in your own head. Whereas the older guys know you just got to keep pushing ahead and working through it. And so there were probably a couple things. And I think giving up that first goal probably didn't help because they were probably under a lot of criticism. Like, great, we've never played together. We just gave up a goal. And now you start to get a little unsure of yourself. And, and then once we got a grip of the game and started to play better, I thought they were okay outside of that bad pass. But it wasn't his strongest performance. And I'd have to chalk it up to Chris Richards, Zach Steffen, playing in his first World Cup qualifier, and, and, and a couple other things as well. Because Des does get a little crazy when he bombs forward. But, but ultimately, we got the result. I think it's going to be a great learning experience with regard to that. So let's move on to Yunus Musa. Let's stay on the positive side. I thought he was fantastic again. And fantastic in a way, yes, he's going to take some chances and some risks that that maybe he shouldn't, but but he's to your point, Heath. He's always poking and prodding to try to find that that space and to help us break the lines, which we saw him do in Panama until he got subbed. He's trying to do it, but everybody's got to be almost expecting it so they can support him in a meaningful way. Yeah, and and um, by the way, I, I disagree that I don't think Robinson had a subpar performance. I think he had a subpar compared to what he has been doing. But again, um, moving on to, to get the result. Yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah, and um, with regard to Yunus Musa, again, he, what I like about him is that he wants the ball all the time. Yeah, He wants the ball in tough spots. He'll come back and get it off the six. He'll get it off the center backs. He'll get it up underneath. He'll get it in the half spaces, in the pockets, in the channels. He'll drift out wide. He seems to know how to combine. And it's not the most beautiful always, but there was a time that I saw him shrug off seven, eight guys on the dribble at one point in the game where they were all just grabbing him. And he was just like swatting them off him just to free us up. And now we're facing up field running with numbers. And I was like, that's impressive. And, and no one picked it up in the broadcast or said anything about it. But to me, I was like, this is a moment where, you know, Weston McKinney in that moment, I thought was, was trying, trying a little too hard to get through that. Whereas Eunice Musa was just, plowing through it and Weston would lead to a turnover today in those moments. And, and Eunice just has this ability and comfort on the ball uh, that even when there's guys swatting and swarming around him, he kind of knows where the outs are. And anytime you have that, it forces other teams to collapse on top of you. It forces them to respect you. And again, that's what I say when Eunice makes everybody better around him right now is because as soon as you have a player like that, that you have to respect and you don't know if he's going to stay in the, in the midfield or he's going to drift wide or he's going to whatever you, you now have to, Pay attention to him everywhere he goes. And that's going to free up other people to come up underneath, to combination play, to play quicker, to pull people in and out of spaces. And I think the more players we can have on the national team that have that comfort on the ball and that that courage to go forward and face forward and take those chances in the right times, not try too hard, but have that actual natural ability and comfort, which I'm saying Eunice has, um, it just makes the game better. Yeah, we got a good comment from Alex who said that he just, and I can't, I'm paraphrasing at this point because I'm listening to you and reading these comments, but that he just had a hell of a game and that he's he's making it look easy. And he's what I really like and to actually tack on to what Alex said and what you said, Keith, is that when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He has this awareness of 
when to play simple and when to potentially send some vulnerability in the other team, that there is a pocket of space for him to exploit. And the fact that he's 18 and already has that, that awareness and acumen of an IQ for the game blows my mind. Cause when I was 18, there was nothing like that. And I was not thinking those types of things at all. I was just like, please have a good first touch so I can get it to the next guy, you know? And, and, and that's probably how I felt as I was scaling up the ladder as well to even get to the national team. You just almost play within yourself. But Moose is trying to take it to that next step. And to your point, if we had a lot more guys thinking like that, you know, we'd be playing four-dimensional chess. I think we do, though. Checkers. That's what that's I'm excited about. Times. I, I, I think that, and, and we haven't seen it consistently yet, I think Brendan Aronson thinks a step faster than the guys he that we've does. had in the past. He does. I think Ricardo Pepe knows exactly when. I think his body when. thinks a step faster because Brendan yeah. Aronson's like, he's like, yeah. he's like you, you know, those little uh, wind-up monkey dolls or whatever. He's like yeah. hitting those things it, together. It does, it does look chaotic, but there's times that you can see when he's trying to draw somebody in and he's trying to pass a ball in and follow it. He's got ideas, which I like. Um, and, then, and then Ricardo Pepe, same thing. The amount of times he comes back, and I know that I'm on the 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 Pepe train, and 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 this Choo-choo. now makes me this completely biased. But like, uh, I have n- no skin in the game other than the fact that I represent him, and I get twenty percent of any sale that he has. <laughs> but you know, outside of that uh, disclosure, I have not no skin in the game. But when he comes back to get the ball, all he's looking to do is who wants it. I'll give it back to you. If you're going to follow up underneath, here, it's for you. I don't want to mm-hmm, take an extra mm-hmm. touch. I'm going to set my body up in a way that I can play with one or two touches. I'm going to get back in the box. I'm going to check back in, and I'm going to lay it off. I'm going to, like, he does all these little tiny things that I think we're talking about the chaos of these young players. He doesn't seem to have that chaotic body movement of a mm-hmm. young guy who's full of energy, and he doesn't know what to do with it. He's kind of like, I'll check back, get the ball, lay it to this way. I'll lay that ball off. He has combination play, and he has an ability around the box now, and I know I've shifted to Pepe, but... He has an ability around the box to just bring others into the game, right? A layoff mm-hmm. here, a touch here, looking around, uh, those types of things. Uh, there's just something different about his game, his body language, the way he moves that the U.S. has never, ever had before. And again, he's got a, tons of things to prove. He didn't score a goal today, but he has a different level of threat, and that's okay, what we'll excites get, me. We're going to get to Ricardo Pepe. We'll jump into his game. I'm already game on him. Bit. I'm already on I know, him. but I, I will go back to Yunus Musa, and actually I want to say that we want to keep – your comments rolling in. I saw a great one from Will about Yunus Musa. Uh, we got another one about Busio being a, a rock coming off the bench and really holding it down and keeping the play moving and helping the team transition. We just want to make sure that you guys think the, the comments is a blank canvas. Say what you want to say. Give us your hot takes. And then while you're there, of course, hit that subscribe button. You know, that's that's we want to we want to see you turn on your notifications. You get more of this all of the time. We appreciate you. So my big question for you, Heath, everybody listening, everybody watching. Do you think Yunus Musa is a lock to start against Mexico in the first game of the next qualifying window? Yes. Yes. Me I mean, I, 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 can, I, can, I can go on and Settled. explain it. Hashtag like, analysis. <laughs> how, how are you going to take him out? I, that was the one thing that angered me the most. Of all the changes Greg made, even in Panama, was that Yunus Musa was a guy who had ideas and he had a confidence. It wasn't an, You know how sometimes you have players that have ideas and you're like, yeah, but it's a terrible idea. I like that you have ideas, but those are terrible ideas. His ideas are good, and, and, and he's showing an ability and a growing confidence level to make the, the right decision. You know, we, I, I, I say this a lot about what Bob used to say, and Bob Bradley used to say in training when, when, when I played under the national team, when we played under him mm-hmm, in the national mm-hmm, team, was mm-hmm. he would always say things in training that were like, that's a good idea, but is there a better one, right? Which is like, okay, you played a square pass, but is there a better pass out there? You decided to shoot from 30. Is there a better option? And I know that's like a fluffy way of saying you did the wrong thing, but I do think about a player like that of like, when they scan the field, do they have the ability to go through their options like a quarterback and know where's the right pass? Where's the right next pass? You know, okay, 
there's a safe pass, but is that the right pass? And I think Yunus Musa has shown an ability to make the right decision at the right times, as opposed to being off, off the page of he passes instead of dribbles, dribbles instead of passes, which we've seen right. from a lot of these guys. He seems to get that decision right more often than not, which makes him a sure starter for me. Sorry. Yeah, I think he's rant. a sure starter as well. And for all the things that you mentioned and for our, a lot of the comments that we're seeing as well, there's just something about how he carries himself. And I think that another intangible, because we can talk about his technical and tactical ability all we want, his, his, his physical attributes. Uh, but But I always as we get to a higher level with the national team, everybody's kind of close to each other in a lot of different ways, but what makes them stand out? And another thing that I like from Tyler Adams as well, and Musa falls into this, I think they give other players confidence. When they're on the fields, players feel confident that they're going to do their jobs and it helps them do their jobs. The player or Musa and Adams are going to do their job very well so that they can do, the other players can do their jobs very well. And that's so important when you're surrounded by a group of players that you know are so capable of being good at what they do. And, and I think Musa has that. It's crazy to talk about this player like this when he's only 18. So I can only imagine what the dude's going to do when he's helping us win the World Cup in 2026. Yeah, I said it. We're going to win our first <laughs> World Cup before England hey. wins their second. Suck it, haters, okay? Hey. I'm going to put my flag on the ground there. Go ahead. Hey, Jimmy, uh, I want to know what everybody else thinks also about Yunus Musa because this is a contentious one, right? He's only had a couple of games, so I want to know sort of but what is the it fan like, but, but, but I mean, who, it kind of is because Gio Reyna, Ballistic, legit. I mean, you, you know, if you're not going to have no, him, but, then maybe but, you're but, pulling in, and uh, you know, maybe you people have talked about Brendan Aronson going to the 10, which I think the one time he did it wasn't very good. But I mean, there's there's there are some arguments out there. The last thing I, I wanted to say about Yunus Musa, I, by the way. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. And then no, I'll no, I just was going to say, I, I, when I think about Ballistic and Reyna, I think about wingers. I don't think that as central now they can play there i could see it potentially an aronson come in for musa right because he can do that and find his pockets of space and i don't think he did he, he he played the 10 i don't remember which game it was but he played the 10 um in one of our first i think it was not against i think it was against canada that he was in the 10 um and that's and struggled right or, there for, for the or was it el salvador, el salvador. No, it might have been el salvador yeah. but but he was in the 10 spot and i don't think he looks super comfortable there but i you can't judge somebody off well of, in of some ways i mean i think we could argue that i'd almost rather have musa out there because there's something about his consistency and his decision making that people get used to whereas mckinney's a little bit more unpredictable now sometimes that's a strength but sometimes that's a weakness and so maybe you could put aronson there who i yeah. really appreciate aronson's in, in for mckinney because i i really appreciate aronson's desire to counter press he sometimes presses when the rest of the team doesn't because he sniffs out opportunities he he sniffs out a player that might be taking a casual touch on the ball and that turns into an opportunity and not to say that weston doesn't he does a lot of thankless work as well but i think Aaron, brendan has given us a little bit more going forward and maybe he's finding those spots it, that'll be an interesting one because i think we're going to have some options as pulisic and Rana yeah. get healthy but let's talk about weston yeah. mckinney let's wait keep wait that wait going. here's here's, wait, here's, what, a, hot, here's what, a hot what, take what, real quick for, for Eunice. Eunice starts either at the 10 or on the wing. That's what I'm that's my hot take. Is like if Eunice? you don't want to put him in the central midfield, then you're putting him on the wing. He has that level of ability. And by the way, I wanted to say this thing, last thing about Eunice. When he gets the ball, sometimes it looks like he's sort of taking the piss, right? Like he brings guys in and he's taking extra touches with, with which we see of guys. And we have a couple guys on the national team that do that, right? I think Pulisic at times beats somebody and wants to beat him again. I think Giorena wants to beat him again. I think Weston McKinney wants to beat him again at times. But Eunice, when he does that, it's like he gets out of it and has a purpose to it, right? When he takes a couple extra touches, there's a reason. I think Serginho Des takes touches sometimes that are unnecessary and you go, what's the point of that? Um, but Yunus Musa doesn't seem to waste his touches. When he takes extra touches, there's a reason for it. Like he's drawing somebody in to get out. And it's not just to be like, oh, look at me now. I'm I'm like 
you know, I'm the, I look at the circuses in town and I'm going to disrespect this opponent with like extra touches. It seems to have a purpose, at least at the moment. That's how I'm reading into sometimes the things that don't work out that he tries uh, because then he tries him again a minute later and you go, oh, that's what he was trying to do. That makes sense. I actually like that as opposed to being like, let me disrespect the opponent with a meg or a step over. Okay, I do agree with you with Des because if everybody remembers, like in the 67th minute, he did a Rabona in the middle of the field. I'm like, dude, you can't do Rabonas. Like it's 1-1. It's not like Rabona's. Well, Weston like, McKinney I, started doing stepovers in the 65th minute, and he hadn't done any before that. Like he started doing these like, like things, and you're like, dude, they're five feet off of you. Dude, That's and, not the time to do it. And it's one-one. Like if it's five-one, okay, you get out the stepovers, you do the Rabona. But you know what? Fair play to Serginho Dest, who ended up setting up uh, Tim Weah for for the goal minutes later. I was like, all right, confidence is confidence is confidence. I don't I don't say they shouldn't do it. I think I think that is a character trait and a swag that this national team okay, needs. I get it. I get fear. it. It's I, just a I, fine line just, when we get punished by it, it once in a of while. Of course, of course. And it, it just made me laugh. It was in the attacking third. So if you're going to try something, that's that's the place to do it. Now, uh, Jake says, I'm a casual fan, so I'm curious to hear our best 11 in the next window with Reyna and Pulisic. We're going to get to that, Jake. Don't you worry. Let's just kind of keep going with regard to reviewing how these players played individually. But with regard to Musa, I think he's got to be a starter. Yeah. You have a couple people agreeing with you in the chat that he can play McKinney on the wing. Take? My McKinney take is that, as I mentioned before, I feel like he's pressing. Like he's trying to sometimes be somebody he's not. Or not necessarily that. Because to your point, I like that he has confidence and I like that he tries things. So I don't want to take that away from him. I don't want to strip him of that freedom and that creativity because then you start to handcuff players and then they don't, they're not enjoying themselves. I don't want him to lose his enjoyment of the game. The problem is sometimes for me is that he's trying to do something that the game has, that the other team has taken away. And he's still trying to cram it down the, down the throat. He's still trying to, and sometimes maybe I'm feeling a little bit harsh, but if I'm just kind of nitpicking him a little bit here. He, 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 what he's trying to create feels very individual, individualistic. There are other players that are trying to create something to create uh, a one, two, or they're trying to create, you know, they're breaking a line to create a numerical advantage so they can play the pass out wide. Not to say that he doesn't do that, but it sometimes it feels like he's trying to do it all by himself. And there were times where we needed him to do that, but I feel like we're surrounding him with players now where he doesn't have to do that as much. And maybe that's part of his evolution with the national team where he doesn't, he can pick his spots in a little bit more of a meaningful way and not have to try to be the hero every single play. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to say about Weston. I think that we've unfairly, in the same way we did in the 2018 cycle with Christian Pulisic, put all these pressure on these guys. Like, hey, man, you play at Juventus. You're playing against right, a guy who right, plays in right. Panama. You're playing against a yeah, guy who, yeah. who plays in Costa Rica. Like, you can't do better. You can't, you can't put the team on your back and carry us to, to, to the three points. Yeah, you delivered big against Mexico and the Nations League. You should do that all the time. You play at Juventus, man. Look yeah, at all the right, money you make right. and all the pressure that comes yeah. with this responsibility of these guys that are at, at the club level in uncharted waters. So I think that we've sort of built him up that way. And I think he's also taken on this responsibility of like, I got to carry this team. We're in a tough place right now. Yeah, I've good let point. The, I let the team down. I got sent home. I've got to prove more. And I think he's kind of caught in this middle ground where perhaps after a night like tonight, he realizes like, man, on a good night, I probably got to do a lot less and do a lot less, a lot better. And that will be all the role that I'm needed on this team. And maybe I make a late run in the box and score the big goal. But outside of that, you know, I don't need to do a lot more. I don't need to create the attack because you got Eunice and I don't need to create the attack because Gio Reyna is back or, or Christian Pulisic is back. And we got Ricardo Pepe and we got Tyler Adams that I can combine with. And I think now he's starting to almost maybe even trust that he's got quality around him 
Um, and, and I, I, and I think that's good. So uh, overall, I think, I think Weston, Weston could have been better tonight, could have been better in this camp overall, but I think, um, you know, nothing I would say, uh, nothing I would consider poor, just room for improvement. As I mentioned at the beginning of the Jamaica game, when I saw the lineup, McKinney, Musa and Adams in our midfield and Nio said it here. He's like McKinney makes Tyler Adams be better because McKinney does a lot of that work too in, in a way that maybe a little bit you know higher up the field he's kind of like an Adams in some capacity higher up the field which makes it a little bit more predictable for everybody behind him so I do think that we got to give McKinney a lot of credit for a lot of this thank, thankless running that he does and maybe doesn't get enough credit for I don't want to change that midfield I don't care if Pulisic comes back I don't care if Reina comes back that's the midfield I want to see this is the midfield that I think is our future and mm -hmm. it's going to be really hard to break in they just need more minutes and more games and I think as Weston starts to get more comfortable in the system and with these particular players and knowing that the width can come from Anthony or, or an inverted winger going from inside out with, with Brendan Aronson or whoever's in there, he can just pick his spots. And that's going to come with time and, and, and reps, repetitions with these players. And because he has a history of scoring big goals against Mexico, because he doesn't take shit from anybody, and I love that about Weston McKinney, he's got to be playing against Mexico in, in, in that one. And I want to see that midfield stay the same. So let's move on now. Let's we were kind of segue into Brendan Aronson. Maybe not as influential per se, but his presence still makes a difference for our attack. And, and there was a comment earlier. What happens when we start to get stifled going into the attacking third and teams start to figure us out? What now? And I feel like Brendan Aronson's one of those players that solves problems pretty quickly. And I want to know if you feel the same way, Heat Fierce. Yeah, I fully agree. And again, when you look at the strengths of the team around him, it's, a, it's again, starting to clarify his role and what you need to do. Okay, we struggled with teams that sat back at the beginning of qualifying. Well, now we got Yunus Musa, who's in and around the box. Serginho Dest, when he's in and around the box. And now you got Brendan Aronson finding combination play in and around the box. Those three players alone start to make things very clear for me in terms of our ability to break down teams, a willingness to go forward, combination play, in and out of spaces, in behind, darting little diagonal runs. And I think about when you think about sitting in deep blocks and guys have to now step out because you have threats around you, it makes it a lot harder to defend those blocks. And Brendan Aronson's willingness to do some of that, I'm going to scream full speed to the near post and I'm going to come back, I'm going to do it again. And then finally on the third time when you think I'm not going to do it, I'm going to do it one more time. And I think that disrupts things and that energy that he has, I continue to say is infectious. And so he's one that you need on the field because like you said, he does that thankless work as well. He makes the press game a lot more predictable. He does some of that work that just creates turnovers out of nothing because he just decides he's going to press the next three guys at full speed and uh, test the quality of the teams around him to, to dump it long. So overall, not the best in terms of his, his effectiveness that we've seen in the past and, and the stat. I think his stats are pretty ridiculous, by the way, in the national team. I can't remember what it is, but uh, overall, I think it's, um, you know, he, he's a player that, that continues to show me that he needs to be on the field in the biggest moments for this national team. I, I do, and I actually think when he's on the ball, players run with a little bit more purpose because they know that he can keep it and that he can make that pass, and I think that's really important. We played with some really tremendous players that when you're on the field with players that, that are so good on the ball, and can deliver, you know, through through traffic and, and break lines with passes or can dribble through. You just run different. If you're if you're on a team with a playmaker that doesn't keep the ball all the time, you're, you don't run with the same purpose because you're like, ah, crap, if I commit 40 yards here and he loses it, I got to sprint 80 yards back. And there's something about Brendan Aronson's game that I really like because he has that quality of keeping the ball under pressure. All right, let's talk about, well, let's talk about Paul Areola. That was the biggest one. He started the game or was supposed to start, but gets hurt in the warm-up. And Tim Weah comes in, ends up playing, obviously, a vital part in this to help us get the game winner. But this was the biggest question mark. We'll save Ricardo Pepe for last. I couldn't believe that Paul Areola 
started three consecutive games. And what is Matthew Hoppy thinking? What's Gianluca Busio thinking when he has to watch? No, I know they're not playing in the exact positions, but they're they're watching Paul Ariola, who I I pre I appreciate this guy. So I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. I, I understand what he brings to the table. It's it's industriousness. He works hard. Mm-hmm. He'll stretch. He'll 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 cover. He'll run guys inside, which opens up space out wide, which is what you want him to do. That happened against Jamaica, which ended up leading to the first goal that got played across uh, for the Ricardo Pepe he- header in that first game. But you just got to be thinking, what is happening? And I just thought that was a bit of a surprise. He didn't play, and Timothy Weah came in. He didn't necessarily light it up either. I'm still trying to decide if he's better on the left coming into the right or the right coming into the left. But he ended up proving to be the biggest difference. And so Greg Berhalter kind of gets saved by a little bit of luck here by Paul Ariola getting hurt. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that uh, Tim Weah had a, a solid game. I think the, the defining moment for me was after he scored, he had a moment later on where he had a few guys in the box and instead he went alone to the goal and I thought there was an opportunity to at least hit it at the back post where you had some players looking for a tap and 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 with a, with a chaotic defense of, of, of Costa Rica. That little bit more composure. And again, I'm armchair analyst at the moment when I think about that because the speed of the game, you come from a tough angle, you know that you've got kind of a hot hand, you want to, you like your chances. I like the confidence to do that, but that was the defining moment for him, for me, for him. But again, uh, against a team that I thought was in the, in a deep block, he did more than I thought he would, because I think he's better at stretching defenses. I think he's better on the counter, better at when teams are uh, unlocked or, or imbalanced uh, to, to counter or, or capitalize on that. Uh, definitely not a, a, a lock-in starter for me after this game, but one that I'm like, okay, this is another threat that we have, a different type of player who's quick, likes combination play, um, and and again, likes to drift around the field. He kind of goes, can go to the left side, right side, come into the middle, and and that comfort, I think, is only going to get better. And it's showing that he's another player that, again, we're talking about really young guys. So if you were to take out this World Cup qualifying, I'd look at 2026 and be like, damn, I like I like what's happening here. And half yeah. of these guys won't even make it because the next generation is going to be in here. And so overall, um, you know, uh, you know, I'm I'm nitpicking, but but I thought it was a good performance from Tim Weah, but but not one that I thought, okay, he warrants a, an automatic start in the next game. All right, everybody, we're going to take a very very quick break, and we'll get into Ricardo Pepe and our breakdown of his performance tonight against Costa Rica, as well as giving you our Let's get ahead of it, kind of throw it out there, starting lineup against Mexico. If we had to get into it, obviously, we'll have a special preview for that as the game gets a little bit closer in November. But also, Heath, I had to ask you, do you know what tomorrow is? Um, It's Kay Golasso's first birthday, baby. Yes, it's been a roller coaster 365 days of podcasting from our first ever episode reporting on the then Juventus star Cristiano Ronaldo testing positive for covid to the Super League debacle, Messi leaving Barcelona, Messi joining PSG, Messi hopefully going to my Newcastle here in the very near future, Italy winning the Euros, the U.S. men's national team winning two summer titles, Ronaldo returning to Old Trafford, COVID-free, thankfully, and so much more in between. So thank you to everybody for tuning in and making this all possible. The show simply couldn't exist and wouldn't exist without you. So please keep coming back for more. And remember to subscribe to Kay Golasso wherever you get your podcasts or here on YouTube. It is free. We want to continue to make it free for everybody. We have a great time building this community and you guys make it so special. So here's to many more years of unbelievable, comprehensive, beautiful game coverage here on Kay Golasso Podcast. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my soul. I'm 
citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Kegolasa Pod. Make sure you follow us at Kegolasa Pod on the Twitter. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pierce, your two favorite former U.S. men's national team players, chopping it up after a big win for the U.S. 2-1 over Costa Rica in the sixth match day of 14 match days in World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF. Now, Heath, we promised the people they get to hear about our thoughts on Ricardo Pepe, who mm-hmm. a little bit quiet. I don't know. He was always stalking around, finding himself in good spots. He did have a header that he glanced off a good cross from Anthony Robinson early in the first half. Some people would say maybe he was a little bit quiet, but I still think he's doing a lot of work to pull players out of position. And I do want to mention what I thought was a good sign. We were down 1-0 at this point, but there was so much last-ditch heroic defending from Costa Rica. They were on their back foot. You know, when they when you see stuff like that, you know that we're committing a lot of numbers. And I loved how the commitment to get in the box. Ball goes wide. We have three or four guys in and around the box. That is what's up. I like that that initiative and and uh, that persistence to get there and that that uh, determination. Yeah, uh, what I do you say, think though about Ricardo Pepe? Yeah, before before I say talk about Ricardo Pepe, I just want to point out that uh, you were mentioned. I, I just got this, this sign in my mind of of this statue that's going to exist of Michael Owen, Alan Shearer. Uh, Lionel and Messi. Messi. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. You, you you threw me off for a second there, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I'm just like, <laughs> what, that, what that would look like. Um, but back to R- Ricardo Pepe. I, again, a quiet night. I'm not going to beat around that. I'm not going to say he had a fantastic performance, but I there's something about his game, and I I just watch him intently now just to see what he's doing. You know, like. I used to spend some time with Thierry Henry and Thierry Henry used to always talk about like, if you're watching the game passively, you watch the ball, right? But if you're watching the game actively, you watch what's happening around the ball. You watch what the, if, and if you're a student of the game, especially you watch what's happening around the ball. So if you're a striker, you watch Pepe all game long when he checks in and out of spaces, when he was trying to get the ball, his busyness, pulling players in and out for 90 minutes. And he would just swim that line, check back in, not get the ball, come back, check back in, not get the ball. And then he'd get the ball and he'd lay it off. And like, we've seen, when our strikers in the past have, have struggled to, to, to find involvement in the game because of the way the game is, sitting in a deep block or perhaps we're just not building out or we're playing away from home and we're lumping it, we're just chasing the ball, he finds a way to be active, right? He's very good on the press. He When he doesn't touch the ball for long periods, he comes back and he connects his, his first pass, which I think Josh Sargent struggles with. I think Daryl DK struggles with. I think uh, Jordan Pifak has struggle, struggled with in terms of it's hard, right? And you you see strikers get anxious at times where they start drifting further and further back because they're like, I need to stay in this game somehow. And he's one that seems to be totally comfortable staying up there. And then when he's called upon five minutes later to do something positive, right? And mm-hmm, it's as simple mm-hmm. as connecting a pass, laying a ball off, playing quickly, understanding the moment of the game. And then his movement in the box is just something that I, I really like. When I, look, when I look back at the moment where Matthew Hoppy kept it in, his, willing, his ability to now fake the shot, and again, last-ditch last effort from Costa Rica to block his shot, pulls it back onto his other foot, gets a hit. His willingness to lay, uh, lay the ball off to get other guys involved just makes him unpredictable as, as a striker, right? Is he going to shoot? Is he going to pass? He, you know, he just has this maturity. And again, what is he, 18? Is he 18 still? He's um, 18. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. We're talking about a guy playing in big internationals with the type of uh, body language that he has and confidence kind of chest out this, this like sort of belief in himself and i think it shows in little moments 
not a great performance, but overall, I look at it and I'm completely unfazed as to whether or not he's our number nine moving forward. I look at it and go, okay, it was a night that didn't necessarily require him to score the big goal and require him to, to create heroics. But overall, I'm like, this guy is doing his job for this national team. Yeah, we got a shout from B Mevo who said that Ricardo Pepe at 18 right now reminds him of Klaus Jan Huntelaar at 18, where he just has that defensive bite as well, right? He'll go in and he'll mix it up and he'll press and he'll do that thankless work and he's not going to have any attitude about it. Not that those other guys do that he's competing with, but he just he's adding all these components together to make a, arguably make him our more, most well-rounded number nine currently. Mm -hmm. I think if Daryl DK is healthy, I think he deserves at least to be part of the conversation. He wasn't even called into camp. So it just seems like Jossie Zardes took that spot with regard to to kind of being a big body up top and, and banging it out with the, the center backs. Now, I want to hear from everybody in the comments, so make sure you keep those comments coming. That's obviously very important as we talk about this. There's one thing I want to say, and I want to move into whether Ricardo Pepe starts for you against Mexico. Actually, I'm going to say two things. I'm going to give you a fun fact that somebody brought up before. When Ricardo Pepe starts for the U.S. men's national team, it's been three games. We've got three wins. Okay? Just throwing that out there. So let that percolate in your, in your brains while I bring up this other one. What I find interesting is Keeler Navas... The Costa Rican, because we haven't really talked much about Costa Rica. He goes off at halftime. We score a goal that I think if Keeler Navas is in, we don't score. We just, we, I just don't think it happens. I think Keeler Navas, obviously a world-class goalkeeper, I just don't think that happens. And it makes me wonder if we end up, we're, we're so close. The, the, the margins are so fine between success and failure at the highest levels. It, it makes me wonder what would have happened if we if we drew that game. Because I feel like everybody would be asking for Greg Berhalter oh, out. Oh, you, Jimmy. What a downer you are. Like, I'm just saying. I just want to throw that out on there. The door. This team was knocking on the door. They were dominating at home. It was like not dominating, but like they were playing well. The momentum was going that way. I think there was some innovation uh, still out there that was going. I, I didn't think. I don't think I'm it was going to require just another moment of devil's advocate. I'm just saying that 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 even though I thought we deserved to win, yeah. and even if Keeler Novice was in goal, it that that it's a tightrope, man, and and. I'm glad it went our way. I'm just trying to throw that out there to kind of give us that uh, is a fair. 360 view of this. Okay, that's it. I'm not trying to be big. I'm not trying to be big. Let's focus on Mexico. It we got 11 points. Goal. It was a fluke goal. And 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 that's tough because it's off the post, off the, off the back of the goalkeeper, has a crazy spin, goes in. Sucks for Tim Weah because he's gonna is not going to get the goal himself. It's going to be an own goal. But again, it was an own goal. Um, of course. Okay. Yeah, but, okay. but, but okay. I, Debbie, I, 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 I I'm, done. I'm done. I'm done. Debbie Downer stuff. Done. Yeah. We, we deserve the second goal. We did more than enough. We were trying we deserve to, to win. We deserve to, to win. Costa Rica did not and try to did. push. They got their goal and they had tried to sit back and it just didn't work out after that. Yeah. Even though I thought their high press at the beginning of the game was pretty smart. Cause I don't think we were prepared for it or ready for it. Mm -hmm. But it I don't, I don't think goal. I don't think Costa Rica was prepared for it because they got all these guys played more than 150 minutes, if not. I know that's the thing. They got guys I think we, that are in their 30s, and then you're like, oh, they can they keep this up? And 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 again, we we flirt Jimmy with this world of like experience versus inexperience and whatever. But when you get to that age where your average age is over 30, you know the speed of mm -hmm. of the international game. Like that is tough to keep up with. When you have these young guys buzzing around, you know, touch, 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 and the transition game is happening. You you turn over the ball like. It's tough, man. That is that is a tough world to live in. No, and I was actually surprised that once they got that goal that they kept trying to high press. It was clear they were going to do it for the first 15, 20 minutes and see if they could catch the U.S. on the back foot. And they did, but they, the fact that they kept going after it. Anyway, oh, by the way, Des, Des, was saying, Des was saying there was a there was a knock at us is that um, 
this might be the best time. He's been watching, the, the, whoever said the comment, they've been watching the national team for the last, oh, been watching U.S. men's national team for 20 years. It's great to see a team of players that can actually trap a ball consistently in a game. Jimmy, that's a shot at you. It's a shot at me. It's a shot at the soccer culture that we've built on our backs for the last, you know, however many years. No, that doesn't bother me. Of course, these guys are so good, man. These guys are so good. They're they're oh, better cool, than yeah. I ever was, yeah. 100%. I'm not going to try to refute that. But, I mean, I thought I could trap a ball. I could trap ball. a ball. Yeah, I, could I could trap, trap a, a ball. ball. I could trap a ball consistently, for sure. Yeah, you know? like Debbie, that was like Debbie Downer squared right yeah, there. I, yeah, I could trap a ball at least seven out of – if you toss it to me, Jimmy, from, say, five feet, I'll trap it at least seven out of ten times. You know, Okay, really quick. Let's talk about the the Ticos. They deserve a penalty call on the Chris Richards tackle, who I thought kind of did a karate kid. He sweeped the leg. And 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 – I don't know. I saw at one angle. I thought, yeah, probably a pen. And then a couple other angles is like, no, maybe not. And I think we got a little lucky that VAR doesn't I, exist in CONCACAF. <laughs> we got a little lucky. I think they got a little lucky with the contact on Ricardo Pepe in the box. That's too, true. I thought it maybe balanced out. You know, sure, it, sure. It was a little, 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 little push there, a little something. I think, you know, I think maybe the, the, the penalty non-call against the U.S. was a little more harsh against Costa Rica than the other side because the cross itself to Pepe was, wasn't coming to him or close to him. So you can sort of, contextualize that if you're a referee to say, mm-hmm. no, nah, it's not worth looking at. But yeah, I mean, there's a big argument that I think VAR uh, plays a role. And I know it's 14 games and whatever, but you know, this is a game of tense moments where you're looking at numbers in the box where the game is happening really fast. And it's a lot to put on a referee now with this type of pressure and crowd and all these things to make these split second decisions. And that's the way it's always been done. But now you look at it and you go, I think there's a better way here, you know, <laughs> but it's a CONCACAF uh, for infrastructure reasons doesn't have it. But I, I do think that there was definitely an argument there. Even at that point, I still liked the U the U S just looked good um, tonight. They looked confident and granted a few moments that are, you know, it, it, actually I would, I would love to know this. Um, do you ever remember playing a game in CONCACAF, Jimmy, where there wasn't a couple half chances going against you, whether home or away, where you kind of had to not necessarily make big plays, but you were forced to make plays. Like, it wasn't like you just, you know, especially in games like qualifiers where you, you, you know, you're not just putting your foot on, 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 on their throat from the very beginning and you have control. Very rarely does that happen. No, that, that, re- that, that's only Panama against us a couple of days ago. <laughs> where I felt like we were never in control. Yeah, zero half game. chances. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty rare. I think more often than not, to to you, you, most teams will weather a storm for a while, but they'll always get about five to ten minutes every half where they creep back into the game because it's just so hard to even keep that intensity. Even if you're driving the game and you're being successful, they can still hurt you in different ways. They get a foul, all of a sudden that leads to a set piece, and they start to kind of regain some territory on the field. And yeah, that happens. And so, and we almost we almost you know, put ourselves in a, in a bad spot a couple times tonight, even with the two, one win where we got a little nervy at the end. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. I have a question for you about the Ticos, uh, uh, AKA Costa Rica. They have six points through six games. There's eight more games left. Do you think right now, Heath Pierce, Costa Rica, they're currently in fifth in the table. Do you think they qualify for the world cup in your humble opinion? I would love to see you're, you're saying those Ticos, Yes. So they're on they're on how many points again? Was six, it six points in six, six games. Points. Currently in fifth, two points behind Panama. I mean, I certainly don't think they'll make the top three. I think Canada, U.S., and Mexico are going to scrap out the one, two, three. I could see a world in which Panama, you know, Costa Rica, and and I don't know. I guess the two of them could scrap out for that fourth playoff spot. I just don't see with what I saw with the depth issues of Costa Rica. I don't see a world in which uh, they're going to, to to be a threat for an automatic uh, qualification to the World Cup. 
even Panama now tonight against against Canada showed some real vulnerabilities of what it's like to play over multiple games. Um, obviously, they put a beating on the on the U.S. and deservedly so. Uh, but again, that that inconsistency there and the lack of depth in these teams, which I think we're seeing almost an overuse of the depth with the, the, the men's national team and and an underuse of depth for a lot of the other national teams that don't trust or have the ability. I mean, you're to talk about Costa Rica, they brought in 39-year-old Alvaro Saborio, who was one of the original DPs. Uh, in, I, in, dude, in we Major played against them. We yeah. Were, we, yeah, 39 years like, old. I was like recognizing all these guys. Like, damn, dude, Greg Berhalter, call us in. You yeah, I, 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 lo I, I looked at him when he came on. I was like, man, you look great for 39, but you're still 39, and you're playing in a national team game. And then, and then, um, and then, what's his name that came on as well? That's 37. Um, uh, yeah, Reynoso. No, not Reynoso. Um, um, well, I can't think of his name right now. Bolaños. Yeah, Bolaños, yeah, that played at FC Copenhagen in, right. in Denmark. Another guy, uh, Christian Bolaños, I think his name is. Um, 37 years old. Like, that's that's what you're relying on. And now, obviously, they had a COVID test and the ankle sprain of Campbell and things like that. But you're really talking about a difficult, difficult uh, road for them going forward. And they've called upon their guys who, like, I, so much credit to Costa Rica because it is hard to play multiple games in a row especially with the ages that they have. I think it's probably a little bit easier for our young guys to have done three games in a row, but these guys are in their 30s and they're, they are just grinding it out. And that's just a tough road to do for 14 games uh, with the lack of depth that they have. So I don't see them qualifying. It's a long-winded yeah. answer. There, there's some uh, great comments. Pat says, Saborio's first cap was three months before Pepe was born. That is insane. And then somebody else mentioned that them calling the, those players back in is like us calling in Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey, which is actually... <laughs> uh, pretty spot on hey, what do you guys think in the chat do you think costa rica has a chance let me catch you up on the updated standings as they we have mexico uh, in el salvador kicking off here in a few minutes but usa is on top even though mexico have a game in hand both of them have 11 points canada coming back from a one goal down very similar to the u.s gave up a goal and then came back and scored four against panama they're currently in third on 10 okay panama is now in fourth on eight points this is all through six games outside of mexico and el salvador costa rica is on six and El Salvador, five, five points on five games. Jamaica with a big win in Honduras, 2-0 tonight. I did not see that one coming. Honduras now Honduras scraping the bottom. falling apart. Jeez, apart. No wins. The only team that haven't had to win in the first six games. It doesn't look good for them. And we actually thought they looked pretty bright for the first two and a half games. They had a 1-0 lead on, on us at halftime. It's all fallen apart since then. My question to you and, and for Heath, well, Heath already answered it. What do you guys think? Will the Ticos qualify? For the World Cup, Jamaica will finish in fourth, says Ethan. So yeah, give us your top yeah. four at this point. I After know six games, four is, yeah. eight more. What, what is everybody's top four? Top three obviously automatically qualify, and the fourth go into the intercontinental an intercontinental playoff. And for everybody that doesn't know, it's also the other play, the the teams in Comey Bowl. I think that finishes in fifth, and then there's a, a team in Oceania and Asia as well. And then they'll get names in a draw. And then you just you get who you get. I mean, the fact that you could get the South American team is is pretty harsh, but it yeah. is it is what it is. So. Yeah, Eight let us know. Left, let us know though, in the man. chat. Well, and while we, you guys are letting us know, let's talk about our next topic because our next match in November is at home against Mexico, who are currently undefeated. I think they'll get a result tonight. I don't know if they're going to win in El Salvador because they have El Salvador has yet to give up a goal in three home games and woke up qualifying. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Mexico did do it because they are very, very good. Who's your ideal starting lineup for this? And if anybody else wants to chime in with theirs, please do so in the comments and let us know on social media as well at Pod. If you're listening to this, who is your starting lineup for the U.S. against Mexico when we face off in about, what, three and a half weeks? Mm -hmm. What do you say, Heath? Man, 
I would say that everything to me is secured except for my back line and my, and my goalkeeper. I think actually, and, not and, my, my, back and my midfield. Yeah, yeah. No, no. All those guys are, I I'm, I'm good with. It's like I said, let's go mid, like I'll go to my back line last, but let's go with, um, Musa McKinney, um, Adams in the, in the midfield. Uh, At this point, wait, 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 let, let, let's, let's say it like this. How many players are you calling in? Because we don't have three games in eight days. It's it's a qualifying window with only two games. So so it's back to the traditional way for this particular window. Are you calling in twenty seven guys again? Or are you calling? It, are you making it a little bit tight? Maybe twenty one to twenty two guys. I'm I'm using that excuse to bring as many players in as possible. I'm okay. probably not planning on using six to the, six of them. Um, to be honest, but but I'm bringing them in because I think that is a crucial. Like when I think about when I was young how beneficial it was just to be around the national team and how devastated I was when I wasn't called in, knowing that there's this camaraderie happening, the meal rooms. Yeah, right, the, right. You know, I know they're a little more isolated because they have their own rooms now and it's different um, because of COVID, but just like to be around the team and feel like you're part of it and just soak it all in to, yeah, to, get, on a, to get on a stadium pitch before match day, to get to sit in the stands, whether you're, you know, I, I, I told this story already where I, when I went down to play Costa Rica in the 2010 cycle, I didn't make the 18 uh, match day roster. I was up in the, the suite and I was taking all this in when we got battered. And I was like, man, this is something special. And, and, and I remember it obviously distinctly as a memory. And I think those are things that are really important and special for a player to feel part of it. So if they have the excuse to use it and the budget to use it and all those things, I say bring in all those players. Um, though I would be a little bit more clear with them that it's like this is more of an experience thing. Perhaps um, you, you'll likely not be be called upon, but we want to have you in because we want to keep you into the team. Though I do think it's going to be difficult, by the way, Jimmy, to whittle this team down and start to not bring in so many players um, over time yes. as, as you start to bring you know two more players back with with um, with um, um, Pulisic and and Reyna and and you know whatever else might happen. So. Listen, listen, I just want to state before you get into your starting lineup for Mexico, and obviously, just to reiterate, we're going to have a special preview for this particular game and, and ahead of every U.S. game. Don't you worry. World Cup qualifying doesn't care about your feelings, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you're good enough and you're in form or if you're healthy, then and, and Greg Berhalter, the national team coach of any country, thinks you're the right fit, then you're the right fit. And uh, we've been a part of camps where we thought we should have been in it. We probably went into camps where we probably didn't deserve to go in given our current form. Mm -hmm. And it just, it works itself out. And you just have to perform when your number's called. So yeah. give me your starting lineup, Keith yeah. Pierce. Can, can, I also, can I also preface this by saying that I think these first six games have given us a real indicator outside of Pulisic and, and, and Gio Reyna being injured of who the guys we can rely upon on. And I think it's unfair because some of those are away games and we judge sure. them harshly on stuff that you and I both know is just about who wants to suffer more in those games. And that's hard, but but, you know, a clarity on who the guys are uh, stepping up. So, again, I'm going to start with my midfield. Uh, Adams, McKinney, Musa uh, as my central midfield. I've got Pepe up top. I've got um, Brendan Aronson with an ability to make that halftime change if it's not working uh, with, with, with Gio Reyna. And I've got Pulisic on the other side if he's fit and healthy. If he's not fit and healthy. Wait, wait, wait. Then wait, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I feel like you added – you had Musa, McKinney, and Adams? Musa, McKinney, and Adams. Okay, and, and then, then you have top, Aronson, Pepe, Aronson, Pepe? and Pulisic. What I'm saying uh, is that at halftime, it, it, it. if it's got not it, working, it. you've got Giorena to part. come in right away. I um, missed that part. Okay. Yeah, and then in my back line, I'm going with Dest and, and Robinson as my fullbacks. Those, are, yep. those two, are, I think, are really secure to me. I'm actually going back to Matt Turner in goal. Um, yep, yep. because I think we don't need to be cheeky against Mexico at nope. the level that 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 Stefan um, is capable of. And I also think 
that uh, Stefan's going to go another month without games. And I think right. that worries me. Uh, whereas we're going to see Turner go into likely the greatest season in MLS history in terms of points and a, a run of form that 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 he's currently in and is going to continue that leading that team. So I think there's a confidence that comes with that when you're on a winning team. Uh, and then my two center backs, this is where I'm really torn, Jimmy. And perhaps you want to jump in and save me from this sinking ship that's a, that is my mind. But I've got, uh, I'm going to say Robinson. Miles Robinson is in. Yeah. And 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 I, now I'm confused as to whether I want John Anthony Brooks to step up to that challenge, um, or he's get, if he's going to get spun like a top uh, against quick quick uh, technical players. And now, therefore, ra- I've got to go. Raul Jimenez is going to be a handful, by the way. But that, I, listen, that's my I don't one mind concern. John Brooks against Raul Jimenez. I know. I, that's I, I worry mean. about Ricky Lozano against uh, a John Anthony Brooks, where he's pulling him in and out, in and out of spots like he did, and where John Anthony Brooks looks exposed. Where if John Anthony Brooks gets pulled out to the wings. That's a problem. If he gets pulled into the midfield tracking guy, that's a problem. Now, if he's got to match up against a big body and like kind of be a physical presence, he reminds me more of a Oguchi Onyewu, where it's like that's exactly his, in his wheelhouse. Um, that I that I think he can he can lock down there. I'm yeah. worried about if the game gets a little bit wild, like we saw in the last 20 minutes against Mexico, where you got Diego Linez, uh, you've got Chucky Lozano, you've got all these players that are so dynamic on the ball that every time you arrive to make a challenge, they're like, boop, 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 I'm on the other side of you, yeah, two touches, yeah. and I'm gone. No, you're right. I guess it depends. If we think that Raul Jimenez will start, and I think that he will, then John Anthony Brooks seems like the natural selection there, especially if he's in good form and not hurt or whatever it may be. The question is, if we don't go with Brooks, then it becomes a real toss-up, okay? Because McKenzie and Miles Robinson have partnered well together. We saw them get mm-hmm. a result in Honduras. Zimmerman and, and Miles partnered to beat Jamaica. Now, obviously, Mexico is going to be a lot stronger than Jamaica, so you have to take all that into consideration. And then was you got Brooks, Chris Richards. Was the Brooks uh, McKenzie against uh, Nations League final? It was, yes. Yeah. In the in the Nations League final against Mexico, so you have all these other combinations, but I agree with your lineup all the way through, including the goalkeeper. I would say that because Raúl Jiménez is going to start, and because of that that presence that Raúl Jiménez is, I think that Brooks would probably be the best matchup, assuming everybody's fit and ready to go. So I like that lineup; it makes gives me confidence, and I'm very curious to see how Pulisic kind of reassimilates NG Arena into this team. Knowing and the team has to know we've got confidence that we can win games without those two particular guys and we can fight and suffer together and still get results despite that. Moloko just said Onyewu sucked in 2006. I remember that giant bald Czech dude kicking his ass and taking his lunch. Jan Kohler, I was there. Jan Kohler was a was a was a beast. <laughs> That's just such a distinct team. memory that anybody who has a memory that's that distinct uh, without an actual Jan Koller, knowing Jan Koller's name deserves to have their 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 comment posted on here, even though, you know, Onye was a brother of ours that uh, we've all suffered uh, together with on the field. So oh, he was I, I played with him against Ghana in that World Cup. OK, so and he got he got called for the worst penalty of all time. You go back and Google it. It's it's it was I don't know. It's the sketchiest penalty I've ever I've ever seen. OK. Really quick, I know that we're, we're getting pushed to, to come to a close here, but we're so excited about the win. We want to go one step further. Keith, I just want to ask, if there was one player, oh, you know what, I'll give you two players that you think should be called in for this next window that maybe weren't a part of it for, for these first two windows or, or a player that maybe did one but not the other. Who really stands out for you? And I'm going to go first. I'm going to say Daryl DK and Joe Scally are my two choices. What does everybody think in the chat? Let me know in the comments. Let us know. I definitely see, think Joe Scally uh, is one that you got to bring in now because, okay, take away these games. You just go, well, we're not super clear who 
Like if Joe Scali could be your next versatile guy that could play on the left or right side, maybe he's a super sub that you bring in in the 60th minute. That's a little bit more of a defensive presence because I don't think Yedlin is a is 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 a great option to bring in, in the 60th minute. I think he's fast. I think he can put out fires. But in terms of being a lockdown one-on-one defender, Yedlin is not known for that. Yedlin was known for his transition game and getting forward um, more than he was as a defender. So a Joe Scally is a guy that I'm like, bring him in at least uh, to see. I think Daryl DK is a great shout. Again, Jordan Pifak is another one where I'm like, you might get that gut feeling that that coaches get and say, this is the guy I want because in, in a world where I've got to throw in um, a Daryl DK uh, as a second striker even, or a Jordan mm-hmm. Pifak, I don't like the idea that we can only have one in at a time. Like, I agree. What, in what I agree. World, you want to throw them both in and just go, hey, Let's go. Let's go that with some bad stuff. And I would like, love just it. Have I would a, love it. Like the old classic, what you named your original YouTube show, Jimmy, the mixer. Throw that thing in there and let people bang heads and 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 go after goals. And I think there's something to those guys in a dynamic that brings them brings something different. I'm trying to think outside of that. Who hasn't been called in? That's been knocking on the door. I think Gianluca Busio was the one that I just really wanted to come in to this camp. I had heard that perhaps he wasn't getting called in. He'd been really good, and so he would have been the only exception. By the way, I thought that he was he was solid in his performance. He He's so calm. Like so I feel like his heart rate never goes above uh, seventy uh, in a game, yeah. which I think is important and it shows the composure. But anyways, yeah, those I, I I guess what I'm saying is I agree with you with those the, with those changes. Is there anybody else that you can think of that even has an argument to be called in? Because we're talking about 26, 28 guys coming in. How many more can there be? Well, everybody in the chat's giving a shout out for Conrad De La Fuente. Uh, oh. Jordan Pifuk was one. Uh, Josh Sargent, obviously. At some point, if you if you isolate to your point, what you said before, if you don't call these guys in in consecutive windows, that's that sends a pretty strong message that the team's kind of moving on without you, especially if you're healthy. So so that could be really dicey. Shout, but it's hard because, and this is why I said, if you have the budget and you have the ability, if the U.S. soccer and everything, you know how there's like players union stuff that goes into all this stuff, mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. if you can bring in 26 guys, why can't you bring in 27? You bring 27, why can't you bring in 28? Where do you draw the line? Like a Conrad being in in camp, and again, you're talking about a guy who's at Marseille. I would guess that over Mar- half of Marseille's team is out on international break, so it's not like he's really getting the benefit of, of staying home and like working through it to, to improve his chances. But again, not playing a ton for Marseille at the level that we want, but still a young guy that I'm like, this could these we saw from his gap from when he I think it was against Wales to 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 when he got called in this last camp, he made huge strides. So I was actually kind of surprised that he didn't get called in. So I think that's a great shout by by. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the, the all the comments. And, and the comments. Yeah, yeah, they're getting after it, and we really appreciate everybody's support. So any final thoughts from you, Heath, as, as we close this uh, last match of the qualifying window? Honestly, Jimmy, uh, we've almost done a full 90-minute match on here. I love and it. I'm just thankful for everybody tuning in, joining us, getting involved in the conversation. You know, what Jimmy and I have prided ourselves on the most since retiring is creating a world and an atmosphere where we can have two-way conversations with the fans because you'll find Jimmy and I uh, amongst the fans at most of these games when we get the opportunity to. So this is just a really fun experience to uh, engage with everybody, get their takes, their opinions. And also it's way more fun when the U.S. wins. All right. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It was really well said. And I've got like happy tears coming down my face, Here's especially because we won two to one. All right, everybody, that brings another CONCACAF World Cup qualifying window to a close. But our coverage of the U.S. men's national team will continue beyond the international break. We'll be keeping tabs on all of Burhalter's choices and players all the way up to next month's mega clash with Mexico. So keep your eyes peeled on the Kegolasso YouTube channel tomorrow because me, Heath, and Roger Gonzalez are going to get after it in a what-we-learned review of the past three match days. 
and how they've reshaped the road to Qatar. So we'll probably be taking deeper dives into the conversations that we started here tonight in our review of this particular game. Also, be on the lookout for our weekend preview that's going to be dropping on Friday with Luis Miguel Echegaray returning as the host, as the helm in control, pushing the buttons, pulling the strings, along with James Benz, Jonathan Johnson, and Poppy Miller. And Heath and I will be back again on Sunday for a live recap of all of the weekend action. We love talking to you guys about all the fun stuff that happened. We want to see you there, too. Also, thank you for watching and or listening. Please follow the K Golasso podcast on Twitter at K Golasso Pod. Subscribe to the K Golasso page on YouTube and hit that notification bell so you do not miss a thing. And of course, subscribe to K Golasso wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for all the support. Later. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.